I want to talk to you all about living with low vision. Braille Institute is a nonprofit organization. We're celebrating our 100th year this year, and we've been providing services for individuals with visual impairment for so many years. I am so glad you all are here, and I want to share with you how we can help you all. We have a lot of free programs and services that you can access. Um, besides low vision rehabilitation, which is, uh, focuses on living well with low vision, we also have technology education because everybody is really using technology a lot more than they did before. And we have fantastic staff at LA office and at all our other centers so that you can learn how to access technology. We have orientation mobility services that work with you on your navigation skills. We have a fantastic library program so that you can access books, newspapers, magazines. Um, our youth program, we have in-home services, a children's program, and we have a wide range of classes which range from day-to-day -day activities, whether it's cooking, daily living, um, and then also we have classes in music, art, yoga, Pilates. You ask us, we probably have a class because we want you to have a really enriched life. I wanted to clarify a few definitions so that we are all on the same page. When we talk low vision, low vision is defined as vision that cannot be corrected by glasses, medicine, or surgery. It is also defined as vision that affects your ability to participate in activities that are most meaningful to you. What is legal blindness? Personally, as a therapist, I do not like this word at all. And the reason I do not like it is because we are more blinded by the term legal blindness than anything else. Legal blindness was a definition that was coined by the government so that when your vision reaches a certain point, which doesn't mean that it's really, really bad, they just had to pick a number and they pick 20 over 200, um, you get benefits from the government, state, federal. And so I want to tell you that if you're deemed legally blind, let's put a positive spin on it and say, hey, now I get some free perks from the government. <laughs> Please do that for me and that will make my day. Uh, when somebody has low vision, the things that get affected are your ability to our uh, resolution, your ability to see detail, contrast, and field. Field can be affected depending on what diagnosis you have. Like Dr. Lee said, it could be central visual field, like in macular degeneration, could be peripheral visual field loss in individuals that have glaucoma or retinitis pigmentosa, or could be diabetic retinopathy, have field loss from the periphery and central. So now I'm going to go through these slides a little quickly because I know Dr. Lee shared some of the similar slides, but some of the common diseases associated with low vision. When you look at a picture with a normal eye, this is how the picture looks. For somebody with cataracts, 
it's fuzzy and blurry. For somebody with macular degeneration, there might be parts of the picture that might look blurry or the straight lines might look crooked. Diabetic retinopathy, I call it the Swiss cheese vision, where some parts are good and some are not. And this is vision with peripheral field loss. Age-related macular degeneration. The next few slides, I'm just going to kind of re, um, review just some of the basics on how each eye disease affects your vision in your day-to-day tasks. So I'm not going to talk about the disease at all. Um, one of the key points that I want to make, again, besides I have these few topics that I love to talk about. One is the definition of legal blindness because people are really bothered by it. One is macular degeneration, because I see a lot of people who have macular degeneration, and they feel like, oh, my gosh, I have macular degeneration. I'm going to go blind. So I want to assure you, and I have it on good authority from multiple doctors, and we can verify it again from Dr. Lee, but if macular degeneration is the only eye disease you have, then you're never going to go blind because macular degeneration affects your central vision. It doesn't affect your peripheral vision. So two good things that you can hear from me today. When you're looking at a landscape, somebody with macular degeneration may see it like this. Faces might look like this. And words might look like this, where they either may be fuzzy, blurry, or wavy, or you might be missing letters out of some words. Individuals with macular degeneration have difficulties with reading, identifying faces, watching TV. Um, Day-to-day activities that get impacted are things like um, writing a check, using your computer or your phone, Difficulties with glare and identifying color are also common. Have you all, how many of you have heard about Charles Bonnet syndrome? Yes, yes. So Charles Bonnet syndrome is a common side effect of vision loss in people with macular degeneration. I want to share a short story with you all. When I worked in West Virginia in the dead of winter, there was about six feet of snow outside. And I was working with this gentleman. It was our second visit, so we had established a little bit of rapport. Um, he comes to me and he goes, Nalima, I know that there's six feet of snow out there, but I see dozens of sheep grazing out there. He says, I know they're not there, but I see them. And he said, I'm very afraid to say something like this to my family because I don't want to worry them, and I don't want them to think that I'm going crazy. It's very common. People don't say stuff because they're really afraid of what other people are going to think of them. Um, Often it goes away from year to 18 months. Seems to the hallucination, the visual, their visual hallucinations, they tend to come... Primarily, usually in the evenings when the light is dim. And if you blink or you turn on a light or television or you focus on something that you know is very real, then those images tend to disappear. If you think you have it and you don't want to talk about it, 
please talk to your doctor so you can be reassured of what it is. Glaucoma, really briefly. Landscapes may look like this. Faces may look like this. And words may look like this. When somebody has glaucoma, because of the reduced peripheral field loss, they usually individuals have difficulty navigating, finding things, and as the vision progresses, they may have difficulty reading, identifying faces, and may also have issues with glare. Diabetic retinopathy. Landscapes may look patchy like that, faces, and words. Diabetic retinopathy is characterized by fluctuating vision. Depending on what your blood sugar levels are, your vision may change accordingly. So if your blood sugars are high, you may not see very well, and that might not be a good vision day. Um, and it's, it's really a cyclical thing because when they don't see well, individuals with diabetes have difficulty managing their medication, which makes their blood sugar not be under control, which makes their vision worse. So it just kind of goes in a cycle sometimes. Again, difficulties may be in reading, identifying faces, navigating. Let's talk about my favorite topic, low vision rehabilitation at Braille Institute. I started here a year ago, and I'm very excited to talk to you all about the services that we offer. When somebody has low vision... We have to, as people, individuals that don't have vision problems, we have to remember that we rely on our vision for more than 95% of our input. So when vision is impacted, it really affects every single thing that we do, right from the time we get up, right? So seeing our face in the mirror, seeing toothpaste on toothbrush, all those little things get affected. So how can we at Braille help you so that you can live well with low vision? What can you expect when you come here? You will have a one-on-one -on -one free uh, evaluation with one of, it's me, Danielle, who's in the back there, a low vision occupational therapist. Our goal is to focus on what your goals are what your abilities are. And in order to do that, we will do a very detailed reading assessment because reading is very critical for a lot of people that come with low vision. We do a very detailed lighting assessment, a glare filter assessment, but we also get to know you to find out what are the activities that are most meaningful for you that are difficult for you right now because of your vision impairment. We collaborate with the rest of our team and the student advisors so that we can together come up with a plan of what services you might most benefit from. We also provide intervention. We try our best to help you the most we can in that one session. So our sessions are long. They're about an hour 15, hour and a half. And we want, and this is something that I'm going to share a little bit about, but because I'm very passionate about that first thing, which is educating you about factors that impact 
your participation in activities that are most meaningful for you. So I'm going to hopefully give you some tips, some tricks that you can go home with and try them out. Um, We also work with you on maximizing your remaining vision. We explore devices for reading, watching TV, and we definitely use a team approach. What are the factors that impact activities of daily living for individuals that have low vision? The four factors that I find that are critical are lighting, contrast, glare, and size. Now, size, I think most people feel like the bigger it is, the better it is, right? So every time, every time people come to us, they're like, can you give me a bit stronger magnifier so things become bigger? But then can you also give me a bigger magnifier and stronger? I want to talk about devices in a little bit. There are certain individuals who may have macular degeneration where bigger is not necessarily better. And that is because of the pattern that you have on your macula from the macular degeneration. When you make things bigger, it makes it worse. They cannot read the headlines on a newspaper, but they can read the small print with their devices. Um, So we have to make sure that we find the right size, the right device for you. Lighting, most of you all know, right? When the light is good, you see better. When the light is not good, you don't see better. And I see some people nodding their heads. When I used to work at one of the universities and uh, the doctor would go in and say, I'm going to send in my therapist and she's going to work with you on ABC and lighting, most people would be like, no, my lighting is really good. I have all these lamps with this 50, 100, 150 uh, switches and I have a lot of light. I don't need that. So I'm going to share something with you. If you can't hear me, let me know. I just move around a lot. I'm trying really hard to stay put. A lot of places I visit have beautiful lamps like this with the bulbs that are that go up to 200 watts sometimes. And they feel really good about their lighting because it's 200 watts and it's really bright. The reason why lamps like this are not very good is because the shade takes away a lot of the light. And secondly, if you look underneath, the, the bulb is facing up. So all the light is going up. So when you're doing things down here, you don't get enough light. A good lamp for task, something that you're doing tabletop, is this my cheap $10 lamp. Because the light goes right where you need it. Correct? When you are reading tip of the day, it's nice to have a floor length lamp. Because then, this is what I've seen a lot too, because I worked in the optometry school. The clients would come, the doctor would figure out the glasses, and then I would take the glasses with me when they were ready on the home visit, and they were like, ah, I don't like my glasses, they don't work. 
A lot of times it's because if you don't hold things at the right working distance. So when individuals use lamps like this for reading, what they do is they bring the material here, right? And when you do that, your working distance gets compromised. So even if with your reading glasses you read well at the doctor's office and you can't read at home, one of the factors could be lighting. The second factor is contrast. If most times, right, show of hands, when you go to the doctor's office to get glasses made, they have you read cards that are black on white. Yes? How many people? Thank you. But when we go home, most of the things that we read are not black on white. They have poor contrast. And so when you go, my, my two uh, tips of the day, I actually have a lot, so I forget counts. You all can count. One of the other tips of the day is when you feel like you should be able to read with reading glasses, we are not a good place for you because we don't do glasses. We are not optometrists. And if, indeed, you could read with reading glasses, your doctor would be giving them to you. Um, when you go to the doctor's office, please take the material that you're struggling with. Don't rely on just the black on white cards that they have you read. And the second tip is, you know, the old, how many of you remember the old-fashioned way of doing uh, glasses, where they would put this old frame and they change the lenses? That's the best way for anybody with low vision. So you should just request that. Can you please do my prescription the old-fashioned way and take materials with you that you want to be able to read? And if you can read that in the doctor's office, then that's probably a really good prescription. The only other thing is lighting. Because if you remember when you sit in the doctor's office, he's shining this bright light on the material from behind you. So a floor-length lamp works really well if you put it behind you of your best-seeing eye. So if your right eye sees the best, you put it behind your right shoulder. If your left eye sees best, put it behind your left shoulder. Now comes the tricky part. What bulb do you put in? Because if you have gone to Home Depot or Lowe's, there are so many bulbs out there. Sometimes you put bulbs and it's not bright enough or it might not be, it might be glary, right? So we do a very detailed lighting assessment to help you figure out what kind of bulb is going to work for you. I have also gone to people's homes where they have beautiful, appropriate lamps, but they're sitting on the other side of the room or far away from their recliner. Lamps like this. You want to make sure that the lamps are close to where you are and that the light is falling on the paper. Fair? Okay. Uh, glare is a very important consideration because um, we are blessed in Southern California. We live in homes, apartments that have a lot of light coming in. We have a lot of sunny days. We have big windows. Um, but for people with low vision, they tend to close the blinds, close the drapes,
because the glare really bothers them. But it's kind of like a catch-22, right? You close everything, but then it's not bright enough to see things. So then you turn on this lamp because you're like, oh, that lady at Braille said, if I have a little desk lamp and I shine it on my desktop, I should be able to see stuff. That also creates glare because you have no ambient lighting. So you have to have a balance of lighting between ambient and task. And you also should be keeping those blinds and curtains open. It's helpful to do a really detailed glare filter assessment um, so that we can find out what kind of tint might help you inside the house so that the glare doesn't bother you. Yes? And then you might need the same tint inside, same tint outside, or you might need different tints. Another tip of the day. How many of you wear sunglasses when you go outside? It should be. It should be almost everybody. So being blinded, even after wearing sunglasses, is a very common thing for most of us. So if I don't wear my glasses and I run out in the sun, when I come inside and I just ran out to the mailbox to pick up my mail, and I come inside and I'm like, whoa, what happened? For people with low vision, it takes a lot longer for your retina to adjust to light. And also, the other thing is that to protect your eyes, you should be wearing sunglasses anyways. So tip of the day, you should wear it, your sunglasses before you put your foot out the door, and you only take them off after you come back inside. You'll never have that light-dark adaptation problems. All right? So I would do that. Um, the last thing is contrast. Most of you realize that when you're reading something, if things are black on white, you see them really well. And if it's the right size, of course, and if the light is good and all those things. But if, it's, if, if the contrast is good, you see things well. Contrast also affects your ability to do things at home. A lot of people we see have difficulty seeing food on their plate because of contrast, right? The mashed potatoes get mixed up on a white plate and you can't see it, but you can really see the broccoli, right? <laughs> so you use that tip for yourself. A lot of what I'm saying is once you figure out things, you can apply. You don't need to be an occupational therapist. That's why I love what I do, is my goal is to teach you so that you can go out and do what you need to do. So for eating, my tip of the day is, if majority of your meal is light, put it on a dark plate. Black, I love black plates for that. And then the rest of the things that are darker, you can put it in a white bowl. You can also use the same philosophy when you go out to eat, right? If you're as shameless as I am, if somebody tells me I cannot do something, that's exactly what I'm going to do. So I want my fettuccine if I go to an Italian restaurant, even if I have low vision, and even though I know I'm not going to be able to see it because it's white on white. I can't ask for a black plate there. So you can order smart. If you know that you want something that's light and you're just craving the fettuccine, have them put it in a pasta bowl and have them cut it for you. 
we are very afraid of asking people to help us because of our vision. We're like, oh, I don't want to inconvenience them, you know. But have you all listened to some of the younger kids ordering now? I want my salad. I want the, I don't want any nuts on them. I want the dressing on the side. And can you also not do this? And can you please do this? Feel free to ask them to help you to cut your meat, to cut up your pasta, and then eat it with a spoon. If you're eating something that's a darker meat and you love somebody's mashed potato, have them give it to you in a bowl. So now you know that that bowl has my mashed potatoes and you can eat it without getting embarrassed. And of course, my tip of the day. If you can access the internet because of your vision, read the menu at home before you go so the rest of them, like me, might be struggling because I forgot to take my glasses and I can't read. But you already know what you want to order. All right. Now, reading is something that's nine times out of ten when people walk into our doors, they say, you know, I just want to read. They come in expecting that we're going to give them a magnifier or something that they can take and walk out with. Um, I just want to share a little bit of my knowledge on that one and magnification devices. Again, if there were these magic pair of glasses that might help you, trust me, the doctors will give it to you because they want all the glory. And they should get all the glory because they're more qualified, right? To give you the glasses. If they're sending you to us, it's not because we want to teach you how to use Braille language. If you need to, then great. We'll teach you how to use Braille. But We want to really work with you to figure out what it is that you want to read, where you want to read it, and is it continuous text like a newspaper or magazine, or is it just something simple that you want to catch in the kitchen or your medication bottle label, or is it in the stores? So we want to make sure that we pick the right device that we can guide you. And here's my spiel. Everybody wants a magnifier like this that's really big, but they also want it really strong. So I'm going to tell you, I'm sorry to give you these news, but the stronger it gets, the smaller it gets. That's just the law of optics. I had nothing to do with it. This is, this is one of the weakest magnifier. This is one of the strongest magnifier. As you see, the windows are much smaller. That's true also for handheld magnifiers. I'm just trying to wake you up by knocking on the microphone. <laughs> okay, reading, my favorite topic. People have difficulty with reading for multiple factors. It could be lighting, it could be contrast, It could be the pattern on your macula. So when you have a macular degeneration, then there are these spots that Dr. Lee was talking about that you get on the macula. The spots may present to you as missed letters or they may make words blurry or fuzzy, right? So if I give you a really strong magnifier on top of that, it's just going to make things even more fuzzier or blurrier or you may still continue to miss letters. The trick is 
we need to get a chance to figure out why, not because of macular degeneration, but what factors are making it difficult for you to read? Is it because the pattern of your macula is such that it's hard for you to read? Or right now with the shots that Dr. Lee was talking about, um, sometimes the right kind of light helps, and then you just need a little magnification. Sometimes it's a matter of contrast. So there are a lot of factors which make reading difficult. It's not as easy as getting a magnifier. Again, if it was as easy as that, a lot of doctors would be carrying magnifiers in their offices, right? Okay, so there's a reason, because there are a lot of returns that happen. And I have been to many homes where drawers are full of magnifiers because they don't work. It's like, I bought this one just yesterday, was it? Yeah, yesterday I saw a lady, um, and her daughter was showing me on her phone how many she'd bought for her mom from Amazon and how they were not working. So there is a reason why they're not working. When you go and see our visitors out there, um, there are a lot of digital magnifiers right now that are very exciting. There's variable technology out there, which is also very exciting. But truly, you got to figure out which of those are going to work the best for you? Because if your pattern is such where when you look down and the words become even worse, then that might not be a right magnifier. And sometimes when the pattern is such where the words become worse when you're looking straight ahead, that might not be a good magnifier. Sometimes it helps to close one eye. So lots of different factors. So just wanted to share with you that reading with devices, we, it's easy to give devices. There are so many out there right now. But it's more important to figure out why you're struggling with reading before we look at devices. Okay? In glaucoma or any peripheral field loss, if you make things too big, it's going to be out of your field of view. So it has to be the right kind of device. So principles for central field loss are we want to help you maximize your vision. We want to teach you about lighting, contrast, and glare. We want to explore devices with you so that you can be most independent with activities that matter the most to you. And we want to work with the rest of our team here at Braille so that you get all the services that you need. For somebody with peripheral field loss, the focus is really on compensating for the peripheral field loss so that you can stay as safe and independent as possible. Again, a lot of education, a lot of collaboration with the rest of our team at Braille. As I mentioned before, for people that have visual impairments, it's devastating. You know, if any family member wants to try it, if you normally wear glasses for a particular activity, like seeing distance, take off your glasses for three, four hours and see how frustrating it is. If you read with glasses, take off your glasses for three, four hours. Hide them. You will have a better understanding of what your loved one is going through. Coping with low vision is hard. I want to encourage you to be as educated as you can be about your vision. I want for people that have peripheral field loss, this is my tip of the day. 
please, please talk to your doctor as to what your peripheral fields are like. A lot of people go and get the test done, but when I ask them, like, do you know what your peripheral field loss? They're like, nope. If you don't know where your good vision is, how will you learn how to use it? With macular degeneration, it's a different story. It's very hard to understand where your good vision is, but we do some tests to make help you understand that. Please be compliant with your medications, whether it's diabetes, glaucoma, because that helps. Stay engaged as much as you can, because social isolation is very, very common in individuals that have low vision. Please seek low vision rehabilitation services anywhere. I don't care. Go anywhere. But please get help. You don't have to have legal blindness or really bad vision to seek low vision rehabilitation. You could be 20, 30, 20, 40. And if if your vision is not allowing you to do what you need to do, and you've already gone to the doctor to make sure that you have the best pair of glasses, you're low vision. There's no minimum for low vision. It's not like if you're 2020, you cannot get low vision services. You can absolutely get them at 2020, 2030, and beyond. So don't wait till your vision is really, really bad to seek services. Um, and if indeed you feel like you're getting depressed and it's impacting your life, seek professional help. I encourage you to do that. I want to share a story. Oh, sorry. I forgot about this slide. So in order for us to help you, what we need is to have you get your eye care physician to fax a referral form. Um, if you didn't get a little blue bag, which had our referral form, let me know and wave your hand and we'll grab some forms to you. We'll give them to you. Uh, we need the referral form because we want to do the best job we can. So it really helps us when we get the information from your doctors. Besides, because we are licensed therapists, we need a referral. Um, Make sure, like I was telling you about your doctor's visits, bring your glasses, magnifiers that you're using right now that may or may not be working. Bring your reading material, your knitting, your leisure hobby things that you want to work on. I want to end my talk by sharing this short video from one of our clients that received services at Braille Institute. I started losing my vision five years ago. It was only in the right eye, so I could still read and drive. Two and a half years ago, the other eye started to be wavy vision, and I realized that I couldn't read anymore. Oh, my experience with the low vision consulting was just amazing. I learned so much of things that would help me. These aren't sad tears. These are eye-opening tears of things that one can learn here to help lead a normal life. And it was such an encouragement that I would be more independent, not have to rely on people for everything. I think I would tell people that you don't have to be blind to come in. You just have to have low vision. I felt 
totally exhilarated, embarrassed that I cried, but it was crying like a, a release of, I can't do this, I can't see that. It was just amazing that after struggling with I can't for a couple of years, all of a sudden there were things I could do to help and turn a I can't into an I can't.